drums, bringing extreme discussions from the world's top drummers to your ear holes. This episode is brought to you by Los Cabos Drumsticks, Canada's number one choice for drumsticks. They provide the wood you need to make the beats you deserve. Los Cabos Drumsticks. Now with your host, Corey Hoffing. Before we get started on this week's episode, I just want to say a big thank you to all of you who have been supporting us through these conversations. If you are enjoying this podcast, then please share with your friends and help this podcast grow. We have started a War Talk and Drums community group on Facebook so that drummers and listeners of the show can come together and discuss all kinds of different techniques and create new relationships together. We will be doing giveaways through that group from Los Cabos Drumsticks, as well as a few other amazing companies that have sponsored this podcast. If you listen to us on Spotify, don't forget to give us a follow. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, then please leave us a review. We love seeing these Apple Podcast reviews. It really, really helps the podcast grow so much more. So thank you in advance for that. If you have any questions for us, your host specifically, please send them to we're talking drums at gmail.com. Big thank you to my good friend Alex Snape at Nomadic Art Studios for doing our intro and outro music. He is an absolute gem and I love him. If you are in need of any mixing or production needs, check out his stuff and hit him up. I know he would love to work with you. So that's Alex Snape at Nomadic Arts Studios. All right, now on with the show. Welcome to episode 39 of the We're Talking Drums podcast. This week, I sat down with producer and owner of Otahome Audio. He is the primary songwriter and forming member of Humanity's Last Breath, and he is the drummer of Vildjarta. Hailing from the birthing ground of melodic death metal in Sweden, his approach to the drums is just as unique and prolific as his production career. Please welcome to the podcast, Buster Odehome. Buster Odehome, welcome to the We're Talking Drums podcast. How are you doing today, man? Thank you, man. I'm good. How are you, dude? I'm all right, man. It's uh, this this time difference. I'm not used to recording podcasts at uh, 8 a.m. in the morning uh, here in Canada, but I'm glad we managed to make this work. Because uh, I know there's a little bit of back and forth between us, and both our schedules are pretty crazy. So uh, I'm glad we're actually on the on the line here, getting this done today. For sure, for sure. Yeah, man. Um, like, so how are things in Sweden right now? Because even when I woke up this morning, I am seeing uh, my good friends in Unleash the Archers just got denied access to their their Canadian band, uh, if you don't know, but they are just embarking on their first tour since uh, COVID hit and all that type of stuff. And we're really excited and good to go and had everything in place. And I know those guys and they do their due diligence, but they just got denied at the border entering the States. Uh, and they said that they would have to wait until September 6th to cross the border. So like, dude, like how are things in Sweden, um, dealing with the, um, 
the pandemic at this point because everything was like pretty crazy off the off the top but it seems like things are starting to calm down and, and getting things in place so that the world can actually start to run again but uh, i'm just curious how things are in, in sweden as far as like doing shows and and touring bands and stuff like that as far as touring i don't really know to be fair uh uh, we didn't really have any lockdowns where you like had to stay in and stuff like that. Uh, we could still go, uh, yeah, like to work out or whatever. We never had anything really closed down except bars. I think they, in the beginning, they closed the bars at like eight or seven. Then it got pushed to 10 and now I think it's three <laughs> so um i don't re- i don't really notice any difference right now but as far as touring goes that's mainly like other countries that would be the problem we have uh, we have a tour uh coming up with ginger that we had to pull out of that we haven't announced but i mean since we're talking about it uh we're gonna announce it but um because the uncertainties in different cities uh, and like some shows would happen, some shows wouldn't, uh, and it didn't really make sense for us as a smaller act, uh, financially to join that. So also <laughs> the main reason, uh, is I actually, um, I'm going to have surgery on my wrist, um, this October the 5th. So, um, uh, that's from like the gym and from uh, practicing drums for the Viljard album. So I have like a sign, sinew, 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 what's it, what's it called? Sinew? Sinew damage? Like uh, the, the thing connecting bones? What is that called in English? Sinew? Sinew? Something uh, like that. Like cartilage? Cartilage Maybe damage? it's that. Maybe it's that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, I got a cortison shot in my wrist so it feels uh, pretty good now but when that starts to wear off it's always getting like to a point where I can barely have my hand in front of me like levitating without it hurting the wrist from like the weight of my hand so uh, doing a tour is uh, pretty yeah, pretty hard uh, when when the wrist is like that. Even if I'm playing guitars, it's still like uh, carrying stuff. And uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, man. Wow, that's uh, that's super. That's crazy. Unfortunate to hear. That's uh, that's like the the drummer's nightmare right there is having to have surgery on your your wrists or ankles or anything like any really any limb. But uh, man, and, and that is. A, a lot to do with uh, just the amount of of playing and, and work that you put into the new Viljarta record. Uh, I, I, I I don't think it's hundred uh, percent that, but it didn't make it better. Uh, I think I, yeah. I got the injury in the gym like 2016, so I've, I in both wrists, so I've had it a while, and like the cortison shots have been helping. Um, uh, the the left one, but the right one has gotten like four shots now and it's not better. So that's why we're talking about the surgery now. So, yeah. Well, honestly, it's better to get that done and dealt with now 
So, and yeah, maybe you had to, to back out of that tour, which uh, really sucks. But at the same time, it is very uncertain. Like, uh, like going to all these different countries, who, who knows? Who knows if you even get to play? Because uh, right. like we're we're seeing a lot of that over here in North America, uh, obviously. Like I I just mentioned, uh, bands like crossing borders and stuff. And then you think about Europe, like you're you're crossing borders to different countries almost every show, right? Or like right. maybe you yeah, do yeah. like a, a couple, like three or four in Germany or something. But like Europe's super tight. So and that's all different countries with all different rules and regulations, and you don't know what you're walking into. So. Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, it's a crazy time, and for Ginger to to like try to do that with the new pushing a new record, everything like it. All right, they can they can go for it, but yeah, I, I understand from your point of view is like the the support bands like uh, the payoff isn't quite as as strong as uh, it would be for for a band like Ginger. But man, I I I hope the best for the surgery and and how uh, I hope that it goes really well for you so you can get back behind the kit yeah me too me too it's uh it's actually it actually feels okay playing because uh when i have like my thumb pointing upwards like when the hand is sideways that seems to be okay even though if you're like playing hard as fuck like i do and you play three hours you're inevitably gonna have like one angle where you're going to hurt yourself on like a symbol or something. So mm-hmm. it's not great for me to play. Um, but guitar is actually a bit worse since my hand is that in that angle where my palm is facing upwards. And that's kind of the problem for me. Um, so, but yeah, I'm, I'm positive. I don't think it's not a huge surgery like that. Um, and it's only like it's not bone damage or muscle damage or whatever it might be. It's only like the cartilage or the sinewal or whatever it's called. So I'm I hope it's gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah, man. I I hope so too. So that uh, and and I, I I feel you on that because I I have sometimes when I um when I go for for runs, uh, I find my ankles and knees just from years of of playing double bass. Uh, and then I go for a 5k run and afterwards they feel just like this, like aching sore. Uh, and they can feel like that, like all day, but then I go for a run and I seem to be fine when I'm in the motions of it. So, uh, it's kind of weird how, when you're, when you're actually doing the activity, sometimes you don't notice it. And then it's afterwards when you're just doing mundane tasks that, that all of a sudden it flares up. You're like, Oh fuck. Like, yeah, for me, yeah. like the main culprit is sleep, actually, like uh, having my hand above my head when I'm sleeping, like under the, the pillow places my wrist in like an awkward position. So I, ha- I have like, um, what's it called? Like uh, wrist wraps, but it's not really wraps. It's more like with a like a steel thing on the inside, which makes it super like stable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, ju- I just sleep in, in that and uh, try to wear it uh, as often as I can um to keep the the wrist in place but uh, i like the sleep really made it worse a couple of times yeah dude that's the worst too because i've i've had similar things as well or it's like you wake up in the morning and you're so much worse than you were when you went to bed and how, sure. like how are you supposed to avoid that like sleep is a 
a part of life. And sometimes you end up in positions when you're, when you're sleeping that you, you don't do intentionally. So, um, yeah, that's, that's crazy, man. But I guess if you're wearing like a, like a, essentially like a brace type thing, uh, to keep your wrist in a proper position, then, you know, if that helps, so then along with surgery and all that, you'll be, you know, back to normal writer's rain, uh, blasting away, hopefully on, you know, on some stages. Um, really so, hope so. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Vildiarta has a new record coming out. Uh, this That's right. was uh, just, you guys just released a, a new song uh, and the album is set to release October 15th. And dude, this this is a, a massive, massive feat for you guys. This is an 80 minute long record. Like that's uh that's a double album as far as I'm concerned, dude. Like that's, yeah, that's it's a crazy. Lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it it's only seven tracks. Is that right? No man, it's seventeen. Seventeen. I missed a one in there. Oh wow. Also we released two singles at the same time. Uh right. This yes. this time. Just to cover like a lot of the material we had was kind of already released in some small clips or whatever. So we don't we don't want to release like a song where people have heard 60, 70 percent of it. So mm -hmm. we released two. So, yeah, just like uh, why not, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, learning 17 songs is, uh, yeah, it took me half a year approximately. To learn all those songs, it's yeah, it's crazy, crazy stuff to play and remember. Uh, like remembering is the the hardest thing because when programming these drums, we're kind of uh, committing to the arrangement and the fills and the crashes used and stuff like that. So I have to mimic that um, down to like the the actual cymbal hit. So, uh, and there's like multiple versions of the same riff where I use different fills and different crashes. So I have to kind of, even I have to learn the same riff twice uh, with a different set of accents, you know, that is, can really fuck up your brain, like trying to, because you're so set on the first thing you learned and then you're supposed to learn it again, but, and, and kind of differentiate the two versions. So there was a lot of challenge, challenges learning uh, the songs. Yeah, man, I believe it. Like you just learning 17 songs in general, let alone the Villarta stuff, which is just insane. I know you, you released a couple uh, in studio videos, like little clips, and I'm just watching. I'm like, how the hell can you remember all that? Like, <laughs> like it just it it's like do you do you write anything out do you have any sheets that you follow or i did i noticed like you have your like your session up so you can see the screen is there any cues that you use or is it all just like a, a mental thing that you have to literally remember and play it because honestly some of these accents and stuff just seem like you're just randomly hitting stuff but it is all all planned and and musically thought out which is incredible to me to me like i had to learn and memorize like straight up uh but like 
when I was on like song 15 or something, <laughs> I realized that I, I wrote the, the engineer we we're going to record at. And I was like, can we have a screen where I can look at the MIDI? And he was like, for sure. Oh, and I was like, oh, <laughs> because I, I had memorized everything. So which meant that I, I could probably just have learned it with by looking at the MIDI and kind of use that as a crutch. But I just ended up doing that for certain parts because I've already learned so much of the material. So uh, by heart. So uh, but uh, I could have probably made it a lot easier for myself doing that. But I I just. Like when, when I'm not the one tracking and doing like choosing takes and stuff like that, mm. I, I just felt that I just have to sit down and play it from start to finish because I can't really go through riff by riff or like a certain sh- section and loop. But we actually ended up doing that, which was really cool. The way we did it, like we maybe we tracked the song three times the whole way through. And maybe I had two or three spots where it's like a really hard thing. And we looped that. And so, so it just put me in. And I, I had markers for him per song. So like maybe I knew, I, I marked the, the kind of new parts each time. So like by numbers. So part one is the intro. Then maybe the second riff is two and three. So I, so I would just tell the engineer like go to 14 and loop 14 to 15. And he'll do, just do that because I had it marked in the MIDI. So you can just see where that was. And that way we could loop certain riffs that were super hard. So that was that was a cool way of doing it for sure. Yeah, man. That's a, a really smart way of doing it. And I I love working with engineers that uh that work like that. They're just they want the best full take from you. And then you go back and you once you comp everything down, you're like, okay. This part, uh, you know, we got to punch in like uh, this fill or just this this small section could be tighter. But at least you get the energy of the full take, you know. Right, but you don't get you don't get as much detail. I feel because if I would track myself, I would probably learn the riff and track it immediately, and listen back like instantly and listen for like off hits or whatever and i'll i'll i would more detail more detail oriented um re-record some parts uh, mm. so that i would ed- have to edit less but since we're playing through the entire song it's uh, you can't really get that amount of detail in the takes but um the thing was it was 17 songs and we only had a limited time so it, we didn't really know how many songs I could nail in a day. So that was also a thing like, let's get these songs done, you know? Um, so that, that was, it's not, there was not no stress, but there was always that thought that we have to, we don't have all the time in the world here. We need to like finish this, this album, but it ended up being like two to four songs a day, depending on the length of the songs and stuff. Which nice, uh, yes, that was good to know for the future. Basically, to know how much time it usually takes for me. Yeah, like it, if you can get four songs done in a day, that that's a great pace to me. Uh, to to get like fully laid down, four songs is phenomenal. Uh, especially with this type of stuff, man. Like, fuck, 
I could if I got one song of <laughs> this stuff laid down, I'd be pretty pretty stoked. But with with tracking and everything, I uh, I always find when I'm tracking myself, uh, and you talk about detail and 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 getting into uh, making sure everything is is kind of perfect and the way you want it. My biggest problem when I'm tracking myself is that I do I spend too much time focusing on very little minute details that I never actually move past it. So like I'll, I'll track one riff, but then it's like, ah, this thing could be better. And I literally pick it apart rather than like getting the, the whole feel energy and vibe of everything. And then, uh, like, 99% of people aren't going to hear that tiny like the fact that you didn't hit that rim shot exactly like the way you wanted it or anything right so right yeah, yeah. but since I'm since I'm the one editing and mixing I kind of know when it's enough I think um, yeah. and also the energy I think that is genre based for Viljarda what I'm trying to do is kind of mimic the program drums so I'm not really, there might be energy in my playing, but it doesn't really concern me in the way it would with other genres because these drums are programmed in a way that everyone agreed. And I'm, I'm basically just supposed to, uh, to mimic that. So, mm -hmm. so that, that's like the, that's why I would like to yeah, have more detail per take and kind of, I want like a, where I can listen to the take without any editing from start to finish and not really hear any bad hits or mistakes. Um, and that would be more like per, a per riff tracking. Like that would, I think that would yield a better result. But um, yeah, you, you have to do what you have to do when you're in like a real studio with a real engineer and stuff like that. But uh, I would like yeah. to try to track myself sometime just to see how, how how it would turn out because I'm tracking myself when it's like bass and guitar and I have a, like a certain way I track stuff and I would like to see if I can track the drums in a certain way where it kind of lends itself to my mixing or editing and stuff like that. Yeah. Now you say that, you are pretty much taking the MIDI drums that have been written and agreed upon by the band and translating that to you physically playing it on the kit. Now, in in the past, you have used MIDI drums for a, a lot of releases for your projects and, and stuff that you play on. So why why was it on this new record that you decided that you really wanted to record live drums for it? Because you are like... Honestly, to me, like one of the best at making MIDI drums sound real and have a natural feel to them uh, and and a natural like energy to them. So uh, I was just curious why you, you wanted to, A, put, put that much uh, pressure on yourself and work into learning all the songs and physically playing them. And, and, and did you notice a, a large difference when it came down to mixing? your live track drums compared to MIDI drums? So like HLB, I've been programming drums for all the stuff since day one, but that's like, 
uh, I'm playing guitar, I'm writing the riffs, I'm playing bass, I'm writing the lyrics, I'm, yeah, yeah, doing, like, I'm everything. doing everything. So, so like, <laughs> yeah. so it's like, uh, I don't know if I need to record drums as well. Uh, and like, I feel like H will be somehow is more like the music lends itself more to the program drums because the way I write some of the riffs is basically just programmed guitars just that I track it but like as far as the effects goes and how I edit it is basically programmed guitars I would say it's not, it's not like like some riffs I'm not just sitting down playing they're kind of constructed in pro tools like by editing and putting on effects and stuff like that mm-hmm. so uh, that's why I feel like HLB lends, HLB lends itself more to program drums um but I think Viljarda as, w- as well lends itself to program drums. But um, this is my first album with Viljarda. And um, I, when I joined the band, it was basically my favorite band. And I have like a tattoo of uh, the first record on my arm. And this is like the continuation of that record. Mm-hmm. So it means a lot to me. Uh, and that's why I just wanted to make sure that like what you're hearing is act- actually me playing. And uh, I know that I can learn these super difficult songs and it would yield a lot for me, I think. Like as far as, I don't know, drum videos or like just me being not like not being the guy that's always programming drums and everyone is like, yeah, but he can't really play it or whatever. I just want to be that guy that shows everyone like, I can play it and I can also play it without triggers and make it sound the way it sounds in the album. Uh, just to be clear, the, the album has samples blended in, but all the clips I've put up have no samples and the playthroughs I will put up will have no samples. Uh, just to kind of show that if you have a great sounding kit and you hit hard enough and you hit consistent enough, uh, you don't need program drums to make it sound good. Uh, but it's it definitely sounds different from from program drums, uh, and I kind of have to tailor my mixing techniques after after that because the consistency and like how hard program drums can sound, you don't get that with real drums. So you have to kind of man- manufacture attack in some sense, mm-hmm. while in program drums you kind of have to tame the attack to not make it sound static so it's kind of two different approaches to mixing drums i just want to interrupt the podcast for a second to let you know about some amazing things happening over at Home audio for all of you audio guys out there who might want to pump up their drum tones Home Audio is doing their summer sale right now. So head to odohome-audio.com and you can pick up their drum and bass libraries as well as their guitar presets and IR packs for 30 to 50% off. This is an insane deal and will not last much longer as this summer comes to an end. Above all that, if you head to the website, you can get a free mini snare pack as a bonus. And as an additional bonus on top of that, 
through to September 15th, you can get an additional 10% off with the discount code BLAST-10. So big thanks to Buster. You only have a couple days to grab this, but everything else, if you're listening at a later date, hopefully he is still running these amazing deals because this stuff is absolutely incredible and I highly suggest picking it up. So with all of that out of the way and having your production needs covered now, back to my chat with Buster Odehome. Since you're kind of known for using MIDI drums in your mixes and everything, but you are a drummer, and it, am I correct in drums were your, your first instrument that you started playing? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so... You always kind of like hold your, the first instrument that you pick up. You always kind of hold close to your heart. Like for me, like I first started playing guitar. So I always like enjoy playing guitar, even though drums are my main instrument now. Um, I'll always keep a guitar around just to noodle on, even though like I really haven't played guitar much in the last uh, 15 years, really. But that that instrument that you first learned on and, and grew your your passion for being a musician with. Um, and and I, I understand the fact that you really wanted to kind of just prove prove to everybody. But also, I feel like it's almost like proven to yourself too that you can do this especially a feat like an 80 minute album with your like favorite band of all time that you get to play on it, it would have been a shame if you just went in like oh, i'll just type this in to midi and there you go i played on my favorite band's record like it would kind right. of be like almost like a cop-out right so yeah, i totally sure. and, and like the music itself is always it, it, the, the the type of music lends itself to comments like oh it's all fake it's not possible blah 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 and like i've heard it a million times you know and uh so it's i mean it's, i don't know if it's pathetic or not but like i, I kind of want to prove them wrong at the same time I'm doing it for myself I want to kind of grow old and think about what I did with my life because I've been playing drums for so long but I've never really done anything with it except playing live like I since I went to program drums so early I uh, the drum the drum playing kind of didn't get priority and I have like since playing as long as I have I had like I have like a I, yeah, I'm, I have a skill, you know, and I want to kind of, yeah, I can't say it in English. Uh, I want to uh, just make sure I do something with it that I can look back on and be like, yeah, all those years of practice led up to that. And I did that. And that was great. Basically. Yeah. yeah it Like when you think about the amount of practice that you've put into like playing that instrument and getting really, really good at it. And then you're like, yeah, but I have literally nothing that I like to show for as far as right. like my like what I've released on me physically playing it. So I I get that man, and I think this was a a great time for you to 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 really step up to the plate and kill it. And I'll say, man, these uh, two new songs, the drums sound fucking fantastic on it. Thank I, you, sir. Yeah, man, it was uh it was a pleasure. As soon as I saw that they got released, and I think it was. I think it was like the day after I reached out to you to do this, they got released and I was like, holy shit. So I like, I put, cranked it. Like as soon as I saw it, I was like, fuck, these drums sound fucking sick. 
Like, oh, they're awesome. So that's awesome, man. Dude, speaking of drums, let's nerd out a little bit because your setup is a very unique to to yourself and your style it's way too of what big. you play. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> uh, I I assume you're a left-handed drummer, but you play open-handed. Um, That's right. Yeah. So you have your hi-hat and your ride on your left side. Um, yeah. and let me see if I can get this right just from seeing the picture, but you have, uh, uh, your rack toms are 10, 12 up top going left to right. Is that what, correct? What, uh, it depends. Do you want the studio set up or what do you want? Yeah. Let's go with studio. Let's go with studio. Okay, so the studio I can tell you all about it. So, okay. The, the Tom, uh, the thing is I'm a pretty large guy. Uh, so the, the stuff maybe looks smaller, but uh, it's what it's like uh, 12, 13 in front of my snare and uh, not 10, 12. So uh, 12, oh, okay. 13, 12, 13. All right. And then we do on my left side uh, by the hi-hat, I have 14. And on my right side, I have 16. And then on my left side, again, beyond the 14 is uh, an 18. An 18 um, yeah. So uh, and then... Uh, like I like you uh, like you said I play open handed but I play with the toms oriented like a right handed drummer and that's just kind of a coincidence that that's nothing I've thought through uh, thought through but <laughs> it kind of results in a, a couple of problems for me actually but it's like if I'm doing rolls on toms and going like from one tom to the next I have to I have to begin that with my right hand. Since I'm left-handed, that's that's not natural for me. So I'm just kind of, I have to really work on my sticking on some fills because it's literally the the other way around from what I used to do or what I'm used to do, like beginning a, a role with the left hand because I'm left-handed. I just kind of have to learn to begin that with my right hand instead. But I probably wouldn't have that problem if I would just have the uh, orient the toms like a left-handed drummer, but... The problem with that is then the hi-hat gets in the way and I have to move the hi-hat to my right side, which means I can't play open-handed. Uh, so, it's, yeah, it's it's <laughs> kind of a righty-lefty kit somehow. I don't know. Yeah. And, like, when we got there, he's like, do you want to use the 22 or the 24-inch bass drum? And I was like, uh, <laughs> I, I, I practiced on a... 22 like a half a half a year so it's like hmm but i want that super deep bass drum sound so i just went for like the 24 with basically no dampening and like the screws barely tuned up and with a chain drive pedal so playing playing the fast stuff got really hard like compared to what i was used to <laughs> so yeah, but uh, definitely man that was one of those things, you know, it's just one of those things when you get there, it's like, let's just fucking do the 24 and like just suffer through it, you know? Yeah. But yeah. it turned out great. So I'm happy I did. Yeah, man. It sounds phenomenal. And like, that's the one thing is that kick drum it is so fucking heavy. Even like on the small studio videos that you posted where it's just a raw kick. I was like, holy fuck. Like, it almost sounds like a sample too. Cause, and yeah, I hope you... Yeah. 
I hope you did sample that whole kit as well. No, I wasn't allowed to. Ah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> damn. I sampled like some hits here and there to replace awkward hits. Yeah, but but not not any like extensive sampling. No. Yeah, nothing. Uh, nothing that you'll release a sample pack of or anything. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but I no. did buy uh, basically an uh, an identical kick to that one, so I'll get that. In like a month or something, oh, so sick. maybe I'll do something with that. Let's see. And was that a DW kit that you're using in the studio? It's a DS kit. It's like an Ital- Italian kind of custom boutique type brand, but uh, it's like super high quality. But yeah. uh, it's kind of kinda scary. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It's like I didn't know about him either, but. The guy, the engineer, custom ordered his like specific sizes and stuff for, from them. And when I played it, some greats, so I was like, "Why not?" I fa- actually fa- found a that kick, like basically an ident- identical kick in the drum store, which is about three hundred meters from where I live, which is very, very close. It was just standing there, so I, was just, <laughs> so I just bought it. But um, uh, yeah, DS drums from uh, Italy. Oh, sick, man, sick. And uh, so the uh, the big thing, though, uh, for all drummers, really, is the snare drum. Um, what what were you rocking for a snare drum for this record? I brought my Joey Tempesta snare, and we shot it out against the engineer. The engineer is uh, Jacob Herman from Top Floor Studios. I might just say that. Um, mm-hmm. So we shot... We did a shootout between the snares, and we thought the uh, free fl- per- pearl free floating copper version sounded the best. So we just uh, went with that. I have no like no pride in using the gear that's just suggested by somebody else. If it just sounds better, it sounds better. So that's what we used. Yeah, that that's it, man. Uh, I know some guys who show up to studios are like, I need to use my kit and blah blah blah, like all this stuff is like. Well, dude, I my kit is like basically brand new. Uh, it's it's fully tuned. Like it's it's under the mics right now. It's good to go. Like, you know, compared to your kit, which we will have to change all the heads, and it's fucking beat the shit from the road. Like, there's a big difference between a studio kit and a touring kit in my eyes, anyways. For sure, like, for sure. Like my dude, touring I'm the kit. I'm the guy fucking I'm the guy backstage with like a tuning app which has like a piano so i sit like tune the toms uh, tune the the snare to specific uh, notes <laughs> i'm that guy like leaving backstage with the snare and just go to some quiet place and tune it super nerdy and just then just hand it off to the, the drummer and <laughs> in hlb and just like play this <laughs> <laughs> play this here it sounds good now i actually um uh, had my my bass player he he got he's a audio engineer as well and um uh, before I ever got into any of the heavy like tuning or anything like that for studio, I would get him to tune my snare uh, and Tom's every night. So uh, we were, we flew out to Vancouver to do a festival and, like in the hotel and he just grabs my snare and starts tuning it and like doing everything for me. He's like, what note do you want it at? And I was like, ah, tune it to E. Like, I think that'll sit well with the 14 inch and, you know, and I get him to do all that stuff. It's like having my own personal drum tech. It's, it's fantastic. So yeah, cool. Cool. Yeah, I love doing that shit. 
Um, right on, man. Well, let's talk about humanity's last breath for a second here. Because, right. um, dude, that new record, uh, Valde, is that how you pronounce it? Velde. Velde. Uh, right. Is absolutely fucking crushing, dude. Like, Thank you, man. Yeah, I... I was I was a fan of your stuff before, uh, and like full disclosure, I heard about you guys when you did. It was it was after the fact, but uh, through Nail the Mix, um, when you did those sessions, uh, I, I absolutely fell in love with both bands, and uh, you know, getting to to mix them and everything as well was super cool. But like just listening to it, uh, I ended up having it on repeat, and when that new record came out. Man, like I, it didn't leave my Spotify playlist for fucking months. Like, and That's it's still sick, there, dude. Like, and That's cool. Like, I'm I'm not the biggest um fan of like the genty type of stuff that's come out, but the way that you guys go about um that style with the extreme like brutality of it. Uh, it's just so fucking heavy and epic. Like I get that sense of like massiveness from that new record. Dude, it's cool that you say that because that's like the one thing with HLB that I'm trying to do. Like if you would ask me, what's your goal with HLB? It's like making music that has size and is is big and like a sense of enormity or whatever. That's like basically the thing like the one thing I care about with HLB. Yeah, man. And that's, that's exactly what I got, uh, from this new record. And, uh, there's one point in, in the record, uh, that there's like this war horn that goes off and you just hear yeah. it like, just go out into the, the universe and like the space. Lord of the is, Rings shit. Oh yeah, man. And you just know like shit is going down and it then it just comes in so brutally heavy like yeah i just i just want to do a uh, fanboy out a little bit about that because that dude that album is so fucking sick it gets me pumped every time i listen to it that's like, awesome man thank you yeah man and do you do you have a uh, a, a big hand in writing the the drums because i know like you write everything out essentially for yeah, i write like everything for hlb like you can yeah it's basically 95% me and there's some riffs like the one riff or the riffs from that particular song you mentioned this Kalle from Viljarda who wrote that um and I added some stuff to it basically but most of the stuff is just me like doing it from scratch so that's kind of my baby as far as music goes um I don't really write riffs for Viljarda um I mostly kind of produce put together songs from riffs that are already there. And like I do tracking and I, I and I like I do vocal rhythms as well for, for Viljarda. But as far as like the bulk of the songs, they're, they're not written, writ, uh, written by me at all because I don't want it to sound like me because it's my favorite band. I mean, I don't want to ruin what they have. I just want to accentuate, accentuate with my production and like the tracking of the drums and stuff like that yeah absolutely you want to you want to keep their creative uh like flow 
intact. You don't want to disturb that. You just want to be able to add in a little bit of your spice here and there. Um, as a yeah, and, and since you're such a huge fan of the band, you know kind of what is needed to make their songs like fully complete with with what you have to add to it so for yeah. sure i have like yeah i have my like issues with songs and riffs and i mean we can argue for sure like even though i'm not the one writing uh we can argue about like uh, how the song is built and like, constructed and the riff and notes and whatever it might be I'm not like holding back on that at all, uh, but um, it's like a democracy. So um, the one, like the the version most people like, is the version that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be on the album. So, but um, yeah, I want to keep it purely Viljarda for sure. But with the production, I have like my stamp on it, but it's a different type of stamp i guess <laughs> is more like less songwriting and more like sound design or whatever mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and just I, i'm sure that you go back and forth with the guys as well to make sure that their vision is um is put out in the way that the album is is sounding as well right um it, so they just kind of they just kind of let me do my thing uh for sure there there's very few times where they've had like any criticism that like oh you have to change this we can't have this that never like never happens basically so it's really cool yeah well obviously you're just fucking crushing it dude that's that's what that <laughs> means to me like you just you know what needs to happen and you do it and that's it man so i hope so yeah congrats to uh, on that man because that's that's rare man it, it's rare for for bands to not have any kind of notes or anything like that as i'm sure that you deal with regularly <laughs> yeah yeah R way more notes from other bands than Viljarda for sure <laughs> yeah and it always seems to be the smaller bands too right like you know the, the yeah i don't know yeah i mean i think a lot of bands are yeah, they have their notes, but that's fine. I mean, you should be involved in creating for sure. But a lot of it is demo nitis. They're just used to hearing their demos and the levels that the demo had and stuff. And I had a, I have a different take on that, so it'll be different, and they have to get used to that, or they'll just tell me to change it. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. Oh, dude, demo nitis is a is a huge thing. I was even uh, doing some stuff for a band more recently, and they wanted. They wanted it exactly like the demo, like exactly like that. And I'm like, well, why don't you just release the demo, man? I'll just like take your right. tracks. I'll just faders up, whatever, mix it out. Then take that. <laughs> like if you don't. Dude, I'm, like, I'm not uh, going to tell which band, but uh, I got a 25 page PDF detailing all the effects and levels and automations of the entire album. It's like, fucker, why don't you just do this yourself if you know what I, dude, needs to I happen? I just said to them, I won't read, I'm not reading this and I'm not like, I'm just going to mix and do my thing till I think it sounds good. And then you can have feedback on that. But this is, I'm not doing this. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
like mixing is still a creative process and like you're building something right so yeah sending a a fucking essay on everything you need to do completely kills the creative process of mixing you know it's so, so funny it, it had to take a long time for him to write down that like write it all down or he's just like a academic guy who just writes all day and he can do it whip that up in like a a couple of hours but to me it felt like he'd been working on that document forever (laughs) yeah and you think like after he got 10 pages in he might think like uh maybe this isn't the best idea like (laughs) does does every band in the world do this hmm like no they don't (laughs) trust me i have sent some uh embarrassing amount of mixed notes before uh, but they were probably limited to two pages at most and as detailed as possible. Um, but like, uh, like 25 page PDF, like fuck dude. But yeah. that's not even, that's not even mixed notes. That's before I started. That's before. So like, this is how we want it done. Like yes. just do these things. It's like, this should have this sort of delay. This should have an automation down 3 dB on this timestamp. This should have blah, blah, blah. Like literally 25 pages of how to mix it. <laughs> Holy shit, man. <laughs> but it turned like, I, I was like, oh my God, I might just jump ship here. And I wrote him like, this is giving me like super bad vibes. Mm. And But they were like super like open back to me like, oh, just do your thing. And it turned out great, so uh, like, no problem. I was just, I was just a bit scared, I guess. Yeah, like, that. dude, that's red flags for sure. Like, if you're yeah. going on a date and a, a girl was just like, uh, sent you a 25 page PDF on exactly how the date was supposed to time, go. Times, time schedules <laughs> when she wants children. Yeah, like in ex- three and oh. a half years, I want the first kid, and then la la la. Yeah, we need a house by this date and blah blah blah. And dude, yeah. trust me, I've I've dated a girl that was dangerously close to that. And Damn. uh I should have ran right away, but it took me about six months to realize it. Oh <laughs> but, yeah. Oh fuck, dude. Yeah. Are you uh are you working on anything else uh currently right now? Um like drum- mixing or <laughs> just in general well i'm sure you i'm sure you're mixing lots of stuff that's uh yeah that's uh, what you do right so you say you're saying me and cal do you know the game dota Mm. d-o-t-a-2 no No, i can't say i do no do you know what a moba game is do you know what league of legend is league of legend i have heard of i've I've heard those so league of legends (laughs) is based on dota dota is a game that is uh, that began as a mod for Warcraft 3 and the mod itself got bigger than Warcraft 3 and turned into a bunch of games like uh but uh there's Dota 2 there's Heroes of New Earth and there's League of Legends and there's probably more but uh League of Legends and D- Dota 2 is like the big ones um so I played Dota played Dota 1 and Dota 2 played since 2003 and i still play like every day uh, and i still suck but uh, <laughs> uh me and Kalle, Kalle from viljarda and humanity's last breath he um we were writing a music pack for dota 2 uh where you can kind of uh, swap out the music for yeah hlb music but it's, but it's like more 
more gaming, um, like it's gaming uh, oriented or like we're trying to make the music fit the game more than it's supposed to be like a song. So it's more, more it's a different way of writing for sure. But we're kind of almost done with that. So that's cool. It's going to send that in and I don't know what's when it's going to be released. Dude, that's but that's sick. cool. That's like because you're not like just writing an an album. It's almost like writing a soundtrack for like a movie or something. But it's a video. Yeah, you, there's yeah. R- really clear instructions on like yeah, this has to be like a, around two minutes and it has to be loopable and this has to be in three layers and those layers will be added when like intense the, the gaming intense the, when the gaming intensifies. Uh, layers will be added to make the song more intense and stuff. So it's, it's a way different, but um, I think it turned out pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so that's the thing. And I'm recording a music video in like two weeks with my hardcore band. So that will be dropping, but I can't say too much about that. Other than that, I guess. Other than so, that, okay. That's yeah. A, does that does that project have a a name? Throne, not like a throne you sit in, but when you're thrown out of a window, <laughs> throne. <laughs> uh, That's yeah. awesome, man. Uh, but we don't have any social out. media or whatever. But uh, it's coming. Okay. Well, be on the lookout for that, everyone. So. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> That's sick, dude. That that's fucking killer. Um, as a as a young young lad, uh, growing up in Sweden, was there any specific influence or band, uh, that like got you started playing drums, uh, like as a drummer specifically? Yeah, Kiss. Kiss. Yeah. Yeah. That that was it. As soon as you heard Kiss. And was it was yeah. it a I mean, static? My dad is too? a drum. My my dad is a drummer. Uh, okay, so you were and born an, and it. an and an engineer as well. So, oh. so well, that's kind of an easy thing to happen. Like if you have drums at home, I I I think he brought home the drums when I was ten or eleven, maybe, so I could play in my room. So that was wow. uh, yeah. I played a lot of Kiss for sure for a long time. Nice man. <laughs> I I will say, man, I, when I was around ten, a friend of mine had a drum kit, and we went over for uh, for a party, and all the parents were there and everything, and then we were like playing on the drums. And on the way home, my dad's like, "You're never getting a drum kit. That's never Whoa. happening." Yeah, he's like, "That was way too loud." And blah blah blah, all this stuff. And well, I was fuck like, "Okay, your dad, then." <laughs> okay, okay. Um, and then. Like my parents have always been super supportive since me and my older brother is the the guitar player in my band Crimson Shadows. So, um, always been super supportive of playing music. But like I just remember that like it was just like no the drums are way too loud like not happening. And they had it like in the middle of the living room too. And you have all yeah. these kids playing drums like it's annoying. I get it. Um. Yeah, but, I mean, imagine uh, listening to me fucking blast beats all day. And, like, I was uh, top floor in a room with, like, the door I had. It wasn't even, a, like, a door with a handle. It was, like, a drag thing from Ikea. So it's, like, a big door that you that's on, what's it called? Rails, I guess? Yeah, so you can rails, just like drag a track. it. But it, yeah. it, it didn't protect, protect anyone from 
the drum noise and my sisters had their rooms like <laughs> like two or three meters from mine so it's like nothing <laughs> so, but somehow those everyone let me play for some reason <laughs> which is weird but, uh, but uh, they well, did were, it were you were you the firstborn or something is that what it no, was no i'm the middle i'm the middle child oh shit me too all right touche man yeah yeah and i guess they didn't want you to get middle child syndrome i guess it's i don't know that's a thing. Uh, they i think uh, i i don't know but i think my dad probably i mean when my dad i mean my dad worked at a lot of like live gigs or uh, rehearsal spaces or whatever it might be. So when I was a kid, I was around that environment and he probably saw me playing the drums and it's like, Oh, he has talent for that. Maybe I should let him do that. And, and, th and he did, and that turned out great. So my, it might be something like that. Yeah. I don't know for sure though. Well, I think it, it, it did turn out pretty good. Um, and speaking of your drumming as well, uh, you did a playthrough for Villarta's song Dagger. Um, I'm not sure right. how long ago that was, but that was like 2016 or 15. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, it was, it was posted in 2016. And it looks like you're playing in a, some kind of like boiler room. Uh, yeah, that was like, my ex-girlfriend's parents' basement. Holy shit. <laughs> all yeah. right. Well, and it's all mic'd up, and uh, but you're really showing off what drum samples can do to really make your 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 drum sound professional, even if you don't have a proper space and studio to record them in. Yeah, I didn't so, know anything about recording drums back then, like literally nothing. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I had well, to replace all the, with samples and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. that room didn't sound great. It was just like concrete all around and just like <laughs> pretty small. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I know. I was, best. Dude, I was looking at it. It's like all concrete and then you have this big metal like water heater in the corner yeah. and like... Dude, the amount of reflection going on there, like yeah. no way that's good. So that's like a uh, farm. That's like a farmhouse. That, yeah, uh, that place. Yeah, yeah, so, man. Uh, dude. I actually had to move. Oh, that was so fucked. I had to move down there because I was on the top floor for a while, but the fucking ceiling started to uh, like um, what's it called when it's like crinkling up? What's it called uh, when you it see started to, like cave in? Not yeah, but. You saw like, what's it called when when stone kind of, dude? I have to Google this to get the fucking translation. Uh, like it started like decaying and just like falling apart. Crack. It started to crack oh, the, okay. the ceiling. It started to crack. Oh. Yes. Uh, so uh, that was not good uh, because no. it's, an old, it's an old house. So I had to move down. <laughs> uh, that's not good. But uh, yeah, so that's why I had to do it that down there. Uh, I had some, I think I had some video I recorded or whatever I put up on Instagram back in the day where I was on the top floor uh, or yeah, the top floor at first and then I had to go down. Also, we're all re releasing a playthrough the 9th of September of one of the tracks called Tox Toxin. So stay tuned for, for that. Awesome. Well, Probably by the time. In the studio. 
yeah, probably by the time this is released, you can go check that out already. So yeah, um, yeah. So go check that shit out. But man, it, it was just it was incredible to me uh, seeing that playthrough and then what you did with the samples uh, to replace it and just like the samples sound absolutely fantastic too. And you're like in this like dingy like place. <laughs> it kind of like show goes to show you like professional. Man, uh, yeah, <laughs> a lot, a lot of, a lot of people complain like, oh, I don't have the space to do it, or I need this studio or that, and blah blah blah. It's like, like you, you don't need it. Yes, it is. It's nice, and it's a nice feeling walking into a really nice studio and working with an awesome producer and using all this awesome gear and and everything, and it can create a really awesome uh, environment and feel for a recording session, but if you really are passionate about your music and you really want to get stuff out there, there's ways to do it nowadays. Uh, and as long as you're not hard headed and like, no, it has to be natural and everything like, you but dude, I think it can be natural and it'd be good. The thing is literally 1% of drummers know how to tune drums. The rest don't know because they don't put in the work and they don't really listen to what they're playing either. They're just hitting stuff. And if, it's, mm-hmm. if it doesn't sound great, they're replacing it or they're using triggers or they're tuning up the snare super high or, or whatever it might be. Because like if you would listen to like the drums when you hit it, there's so many ways to hit a drum to make it sound different. And if you have a cheap ass kit, if you tune that with great like techniques and it can sound very good and with cheap mics as well. And if you hit it in a way where you don't choke the drum or you let it ring or you let it do its thing and you have groove or the song is a good song, you can still record in that place. I recorded that drum video in and have a great result. I'm, uh, I recorded drums in my rehearsal space sound that sound great. And I mean, it's all it's all about the tuning and how you hit the drum and stuff like that. That's way more important important to me, at least. Yeah, well, dude, I like I my space here is not ideal, but I notice a big difference if I if I just let my tuning go and I I'm not like tracking anything. I'm just like jamming uh, for a week or whatever, and then I sit down to actually record something without tuning it. There's a a massive difference um uh, compared to that compared to if i like tear down all the mics and i tune everything put on fresh heads and reset up the mics to my liking and and the nothing in the room has changed the drums are still the drums but just taking the time and and really acknowledging how your drum is sounding and how your your skins are sitting and 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 having fresh heads is makes a world of difference uh, but people so, people don't do that. They just hear like, oh, my drum sounds like shit. It has to be, I need a better mic or I need a better room or whatever it might be. I mean, yeah. look at Eric Valentine, one of my all-time favorite engineers. He does like the one mic drumming, uh, drum recording with one mic. Because if you have a drummer that doesn't wail on his cymbals like crazy... Uh, and is even in his playing and has groove and the drums are tuned well in a room that sounds cool and you just put up a mic, it should be fine. Like he makes it sound super great. 
is and is I think it's a lot in his playing and it's a lot uh, how he's tuning and th- that can get you a lot further than you think. Mm-hmm. And in that instance, it's also just placing the mic in in the right position as well to capture the kit. Like if you just put Dude, it- there's even a video where he actually didn't do that. He just placed the mic and hooked it up just when he set up. And then he just tried playing and listened to that. And, and he was like, oh, this sounds super awesome. And he was like pointing to the ground, all crooked, not even at the kit. So, you know, <laughs> this it's crazy how, how much you can do when you ha- have a great player and a great, like a tuned kit, you know? Yeah. Well, that's that's what they say is, is um, it, it all starts at the source. And you as a player is the biggest influence on how it's going to sound. So, you know. And I'm, so, I'm sounding like I know everything about that. I don't because I listen to my own drum recordings and I think I, I, think I hit too hard uh, because some, some snare hits can be very choked because I really just hit too hard with uh, maybe not enough finesse and like I have the way since I'm very very tall uh, I like the drumstick to be an, an extension of my body and therefore I go with longer sticks that are way longer and it's like 5b thickness but they're longer so 5b xxl um, but like that feels great for me like that feels so natural to play with that but mm-hmm. it ends up being a problem in some instances for for instance uh i have like a 24 inch crash ride that i use for certain riffs that that needs to be like slower and stuff but that that crash ride is flying around like a splash when i hit it because i hit so hard and i have these super long sticks and it's not compatible it's not compatible to play uh on the symbols i use the the stick is just too big or I just hit too hard because uh, the, a symbol like that shouldn't move like that. There's something wrong if that's the case. And that creates face problems when, when it's moving that much as well. Uh, and just look like a, look at a guy like Eloy Casagrande from Sepultura. He uses like fucking, was it 7A, I think? Like the super small sticks. Yeah. And he's ripped, but his playing sounds so good. But it's he has to finesse... And he has the smaller sticks and learn to play with those. Uh, and that works so good for him. And his, his drumming sounds a lot better than mine. Uh, and I, I suspect that's the reason. But it's really hard to get out of your comfort zone. Um, and I just I just thought like hitting as hard as you can is the best thing ever. But in some instances it is. But you can always uh, overdo something. Oh, absolutely. So and I'm not I'm not like 100% on what I need to change to sound better, but I know I'm not there yet as far as what I want to be, I guess. Yeah. Well, everything constantly takes work. As soon as you think you're in a good spot, you you find other shit that you need to work on. Um, yeah. but I love the point that you bring up where it's just uh you use sticks that like feel good for for your playing. But then you start realizing that some aspects around the kit, it's not the t- size of stick that you're using isn't translating well with the type of symbols that you're using. So it's 
it's hard. And and hearing like a guy from Sepultura um, using seven A's when as metal drummers, we kind of are told that we're supposed to be using like two B's or like heavy sticks because the heavier the stick, the the more responsive the drum's going to be and like this and that. And like there's all this like barrage of information thrown at you and especially like the younger drummers out there and like I when I look for stuff on on YouTube or anything like that like just getting some references um a lot of guys are like you need to do this you need to be playing these types of sticks and I think it really comes down to the drummer themselves in needing to make that decision and try everything um, because you may want to put a lot of force into your playing and you may be like super passionate about what you're doing. So you're hitting crazy hard. So you hitting hard uh, as well as playing with a two B is just going to fucking destroy your symbols and like, yeah. choke out all your, your, your drum hits. And, and it's just, it, it could end up being an absolute mess rather than if you're putting all the energy in, but with a lighter stick, that might be the, the nice combination for sure. Uh, and but the thing for me as well is like, I have the, I have like super huge hands. Um, so like I, I couldn't play with a seven, a what I think I need is like the size of a five B XXL, but just a lighter stick probably. Uh, that would, would go, probably solve it. I would go with a maple then. Um, I okay. will say you're probably going to shed through them. Like you're going to break them. Um, I already a lot break more. a lot. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, man. Um, I, I've recently switched over to using uh, the Los Cabos rock sticks, which are closer to a 2B and a little longer. Um, but uh, I don't seem to break them quite as often. But I like I like white hickory is uh, is my favorite wood of choice. A lot of the guys uh, that are on the Lost Cabos train go with the red hickory. And if you haven't, I would highly suggest um, trying some Lost Cabos drumsticks because uh, I'm not sure Never heard what of you're it. playing. They're a Canadian company. Uh, and, I'm playing uh, Swedish company. <laughs> ooh, <laughs> well then. Uh, what what uh, what company is that? Just to give the some some Swedish Vincent, company, so. Vincent uh, with the W, so Vincent, I guess. St oh, sticks. Yeah. I did not know they are Swedish. I yeah. uh, I know when I was uh, I was touring with Ailstorm, Peter, their drummer, was playing uh, Winston sticks as well. So cool. Yeah, yeah, that's super super rad, man. That they I didn't know they were Swedish, so that's cool. But. Uh, yeah, um, Los Cabos is a is a killer company. They uh, I've I've been with them uh, for about like nine, ten years, close. Uh, no, eight, eight years now. Uh, and cool. uh, amazing, amazing team they have over there, and Canada's number one drumstick company. So, fuck <laughs> there yeah. You go. Yeah, and they also endorse this podcast. So, uh, yeah, so even more love than the usual commercial at the beginning <laughs> sweet excellent dude well we're uh pretty much at a time here uh i actually have to get uh going to, to start my day at work now um yeah. but um yeah is uh do you want to uh throw out any socials like how do people get in touch with you i assume that you are always looking for more and more mixing 
projects. For sure, um, yeah, yeah. I'm and, uh, always looking for bands. Yeah, and I did notice on your website that you do session work. Then that enjoy- Actually, that is something I wanted to touch on very, very quickly is that when you go to your quote request form and everything, it, it actually says that um, as far as session work goes, it is based off of like the length of song, the uh, complexity of of the material and everything right. like that. And more recently, like within the last like year or so, I've been getting like um, guys asking me like oh well how much do you charge to record uh like a song here or how much do you charge to play a show and this and that it's like well it it really depends and people need to realize that like if if it's a a basic rock song it it could take all right a day to learn and record and boom bang it out and you know charge x price but if you're talking like technical death metal uh like that can take a lot more time so sure i i just i personally i love the fact that you put that disclaimer out there that it's like it's everything is based off what you are looking for so i just i i just love that that aspect that that's right there so you're not you're not going to get a paint by numbers rate you know like it's you know, let, let me know what's up and then we'll come to a conclusion on how much it'll be. So, um, but I do, I assume that you do drum session work for guys and everything as well. Right. Yeah. I haven't actually done it yet, but, uh, I, I do offer it, but, uh, it hasn't come up yet. Um, but now like I got the endorsement from SE electronics. I have a bunch of mics that are really good now and I'm getting my 24 inch bass drum soon. So, I'll have a great setup with a great sound to be able to track for, for, for guys now. So that's cool. But, um, yeah, so I'm down to do that. And I'm, I also track like bass and guitars for bands if that's needed. Uh, so I kind of offer a lot. Like I, my manager does synths and production effects and stuff like that for bands and Kalle, um, makes riffs or like ghost ghost rights for bands so he's also on there so we uh, we do it all and uh we always need new bands you can find that at uh audio.com i will, that's right i will post a link in the show notes there um anything else that you want want to pitch out to listeners before we uh sign off here no i'm good man thanks uh for having me on dude Dude, this was excellent. Thank you very much, man. It was uh, quite the honor to sit down and chat with you today, man. I've, I've I've been a big fan of of your productions and and your your drumming for that matter, man. As, like you, I didn't man. realize that you were a drummer at first, um, and then I found that out. I was like, holy fuck, this guy can literally do everything, man. <laughs> <laughs> like. Uh, yeah, and I have a more time than most to spend on uh, stuff like that. <laughs> Since I'm working with it, I just yeah, uh, I can put the time in to learn learn the stuff. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well that's excellent, man. All right, well thank you once again for joining me, and uh, have yourself a fantastic day, man. You too. Take care. Thank you for listening to the We're Talking Drums podcast. If you enjoyed what you just heard, then please share this episode with your friends. 
If you are listening on Spotify, then give this channel a follow to get notified of future episodes. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, we would really appreciate a review from you. If you have any questions for us, then you can email us at we'retalkingdrums at gmail.com. Until next time, keep drumming. Keep drumming.